0: Rapid growth in college debt and families' out-of-pocket expenditures on higher education, along with complaints from employers about the preparedness of the people they hire, have intensified questioning about the value of post-secondary degrees and credentials. We've never been very good at defining, let alone measuring, the value of college. But this week, a high-powered group of policymakers, college leaders, researchers, and others took another shot at it. The Post-Secondary Value Commission convened two years ago by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, published a report drawn from its discussions over that time. The report, which was written by staff members from the Gates Foundation and the Institute for Higher Education Policy, proposes a new way of assessing whether colleges and universities and individual programs are achieving what it calls equitable value, which measures the extent to which institutions are not only enrolling traditionally underserved students, Those from underrepresented minority groups, low income students, and women, but preparing them to be financially successful after college. This week's episode of The Key, which is sponsored by the Gates Foundation, solicits impressions of the report from differing perspectives. We'll hear first from Margaret Spellings, who was Secretary of Education under President George W. Bush and former president of the University of North Carolina system. For an institutional perspective, we'll talk with Jose Luis Cruz, provost at the City University of New York system. And incoming president of Northern Arizona University. Both of them were members of the Post-Secondary Value Commission. Last but not least is Tamara Heiler, Director of Education at the Think Tank Third Way, who will give us an outside perspective from an organization focused on ensuring equitable opportunity for students. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, as they say.
1: Have you wondered what college is worth? It's a question many Americans are asking and they deserve answers. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is proud to support the work of the Post-Secondary Value Commission, which is out with new answers to that question. Learn more at postsecondaryvalue.org.
0: Margaret Spellings is well known to many people in higher education. Nearly 15 years ago, as George Bush's top education official, Secretary Spelling has convened a commission of her own to examine whether higher education was accessible and affordable, and whether colleges and universities were providing education of sufficient quality. From there, she went on to become president of the University of North Carolina system, and she is now running an organization called Texas 2030, which focuses on building long-term data-driven strategies to address some of the biggest issues in her home state. Uh, Secretary Spellings, uh, welcome to the Kia. Nice to see you again. And you too, Doug. Been a long time. So I'm interested in your kind of overall assessment of what this post-secondary value commission report, and you were on the commission, um, what it nails, what it gets right, what themes it hits that you think are most worthy of, of attention right now.
2: Well, I, th- I think it highlights what we all know in our gut, and that is that you know our people, our human capital, that is the number one asset in our country. And I think whether it's COVID or a number of us, many of us in the policy realm have known for years that we have done a much less good job of making that opportunity, that ticket to the American dream, which has been traditionally thought of as as post-secondary education, usually defined as a baccalaureate degree or better, uh, that we have done a pretty poor job of developing all our people so that we can all enjoy uh, prosperity, the ability to support our families, to be good citizens and on and on. And so I uh, was in, an enthusiastic participant in an effort that started to try to smoke that out uh, in clearer ways. And as a proud Texan, I just have to say that I'm I'm really proud of the data that came out of the University of Texas at Austin that really uh, is, is PhD-level wonkery on the value uh, in by field, the information that can be brought to bear when we really hold ourselves accountable for the achievement of every learner.
0: There's a tendency partly because that's where we have the best data to define post-secondary value in primarily economic terms. And, and this report largely does that in terms of uh, what's quantifiable, although it mm-hmm. sort of builds out uh, additional layers that are non-economic and that are sort of about sus- higher ed contributions to, to society broadly, but I'm curious sort of what you make of the way in which this report, uh, building on the work of the commission, sort of defines value. Does it get it largely right, do you think?
2: You know, people don't spend, you know, $80,000 or borrow lots of money or either themselves or their parents uh, because they they want to be better people. I mean, that's certainly part of it, but they, what they really aspire to is a trajectory for their own life, their own professions, their own careers, that they can sustain themselves, have a rewarding career, and support their families. Now, are there lots of residual benefits in terms of networks and friendships and and, uh, being intrigued and introduced to things that you might not otherwise find your way to, and on and on? Absolutely.
0: While the report is focused on post-secondary value, it centers equity in a fundamental way that was really striking to me, That partially reflects the current moment in American society, of course, but does that explain it sufficiently? What do you make of the intense focus on equity?
2: You know, it strikes me when I reflect on the so-called Spellings Commission of 15 years ago, when I asked boldly and my commission asked uh, for institutions to decide for themselves what it was they thought their key mission was in terms of graduation, who they served, et cetera, uh, and report that to the world. Uh, And as you will remember, uh, a lot of heads exploded and hair was on fire and so on. Fast forward 15 years when, you know, there's a level of scrutiny, a level of understanding of uh, what value we are and in many cases are not getting from our uh, universities, public, private and every other kind. Community colleges likewise, although obviously this focuses on on the four-year university Primarily, and so I think it's about time for us to start asking these questions. Yes, it's cloaked in the the moment that we're in, um, on on what we're seeing, uh, and the gaps that have been revealed by COVID, uh, the the consequences to to women and to minority populations, uh, as we've had uh, the consequences of COVID, et cetera. So yes, I think it's it's right for that kind of packaging, but the truth is, it, it, these have been at issue for a very long time.
0: You beat me to the punch in bringing up the Spellings Commission, which reported out about 15 years ago. That commission's focus was on access, affordability, and accountability. Uh, This report focuses on value, which is a relatively recent entry into the lexicon around higher education. Arguably, it started... uh, to to my mind around sort of gainful employment was the first, at least, governmental attempt to link them. And I'm curious how you think that conversation has evolved. Do, Do you believe that it is an essential question now, an essential Uh, partly because of the increased federal investment, the increased student investment. Is that what's put it on the agenda much more directly?
2: Absolutely. And of course, the requirements of the workplace have gotten, you know, ever more rigorous. And so, you know, it's less true, uh, you know, 15 years ago that you needed to really to be able to demonstrate skills to find your way into a career pathway. That's more true today and will be even more true 15 years from now. And all the while, we're getting, you know, more diverse larger in terms of numbers of of people, and certainly in a place like Texas. But, you know, we're still a big and growing country. And we all see that we're not going to beat the world on, you know, price of manufacturing. Uh, so we got to be the intellectual juggernaut of, of the world.
0: In terms of what the report, in addition to defining value, and it gives uh, recommendations for how various Entities and and constituents in this ecosystem might work to try to drive value through Mm -hmm. the system better. I'm interested in that the government, the federal government, and to some extent the state government directives or, or recommendations are mostly focused around information sharing rather than building some definition of value necessarily into. Policy and into accountability, and I'm curious. There's a couple of references to uh, assessing institutional performance, but it, it it's pretty it, it soft pedals that to me a good a pretty much. And I'm curious whether you, what you make of that, and and where you've landed, again a, a decade plus later on sort of the whether the federal government has a role and how significant it should be in really sort of driving institutional performance on things like this
2: so maybe i look at it as more you know kind of half full i think what it says to me is there are lots more actors than just the federal government in solving for this and so there's some reference in there and you know states like georgia that you know have the you know hope promise or whatever they call it where it's basically if you're qualified you get to go to college well that's obviously advantaged I mean, inures to the benefit of more advantaged students, et cetera. So it, it does call out some state policies, uh, some institutional uh, uh, inertia, et cetera. So I think what it's trying to say is we all have to be party to this and we all have to jump on uh, where our uh, sphere of influence is. And so, uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, maybe you're being a little harsh in, in that regard. And, and then uh, secondly, I just think that um, this idea that You know, this has become more and more acute and that the the muscle here and it's you know, I believe this with every fiber of my body is empowering consumers with better information more information about what they're getting when they pay those big bucks uh, is job one.
0: That was Margaret Spellings, U.S. Secretary of Education under President George W. Bush, former president of the University of North Carolina System, and now president and CEO of Texas 2030. Like Secretary Spellings, our next guest is also a member of the Post-Secondary Value Commission. Jose Luis Cruz is in his waning days as executive vice chancellor and university provost at the City University of New York System, and he's about to start a new role as president of Northern Arizona University. Dr. Cruz, welcome to The Key, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. You've played a bunch of different roles in the higher education ecosystem. Faculty member, advocate for student access and success, provost, and you're about to become a public university president. So I could see you having multiple perspectives on the findings and recommendations of the Post-Secondary Value Commission's report. In your opinion, has the report defined value in an appropriate way? And are the things it wants institutions to do to achieve that goal reasonable and achievable from your standpoint? I do.
3: I think that um, when I first started with the commission, I was a little concerned about overemphasis on economic returns on investment, Um, whereas uh, we all know that it's uh, not only about the value that it brings to individuals, but also to society as a whole. And so um, as I look back at the evolution of the conversation and the report itself, I am very pleased to see the central role that equity has in it. And the fact that it only, not only calls um, for action on the institutional side, but also spells out what families, students uh, can do, what policymakers at the federal and state levels can also do. Uh,
0: You you mentioned, and uh, uh, I'm not surprised that it jumped out at you because it certainly jumped out at me, the focus on equity, which again is um, probably unsurprising given the moment that we as a country are living through, um, a little surprising maybe given that it hasn't always been—it's always been part of uh, Gates's mission as the main sponsor of this uh, and the the main uh, convener of the commission but it hasn't sort of been quite as front and center in its work as I think it is in in this particular report. And I'm just curious what you make of that, how much of that do you think is is, uh, because of uh, the sort of societal moment we've all been living through? I certainly
3: think that the moment we've been living through has contributed to uh, where the report ended up being at with respect to equity. But um, it is also true that as we had uh, conversations throughout the past two years value that I think there was a sense of going back to the basics. And that is to Horace Mann's proclamation that um, education is the great equalizer and uh, also the notion that higher ed in one way or another should serve to help students and the population in general, individuals achieve their full potential because at the end of the day, If we are successful in that, society as a whole benefits. And so the more we started talking about value, the more equity became important because um, it is about how you define value and how it affects different groups of uh, people. And uh, so I was not surprised at the end. I was very pleased that it took such a central role in the definition of value, how it's measured, and in the call to action.
0: How well do you think the higher ed ecosystem collectively is performing at being that driver of socioeconomic equity? There had certainly been increased focus on it in the last few years preceding the Black Lives Matter movement and increased criticism of higher education's collective performance. Do you think that's warranted?
3: Um, I think that, um, that it is warranted from the standpoint of um, progress needing to be accelerated that we're a point in time now where we've gone to your point through various stages right we went through the stage in my 25 years at least in, in, in academia um, as a faculty member and administrator we've gone from an emphasis on access about ensuring that we were making um, opportunity available to all then we went to an emphasis on success more recently we have been focusing on post-graduation outcomes but when you look at the entire uh, spectrum of uh, um, the ways in which higher ed interacts with uh, students and their communities they serve, we see that uh, while we're making progress, it's not fast enough. Um, And the report does highlight some of those disparities. For example, um, the fact that not only do we um, continue to cluster nationwide, um, our students of color and low-income students in schools where we teach less, um, expect less, um, assign them the least qualified teachers and spend uh, less than in other schools. But also then uh, we see how stratified access to higher education is by sector from the for- for-profit, nonprofit, and public and type of degrees and fields. And then we see how all of those inequities uh, add up at the end of the day to get us to a place where, for example, students uh, from a Latino background with, with a BS degree are still making 25% less than their white counterparts, blacks making 21% less than their white counterparts. And there's a huge wealth disparity uh, several years out uh, from graduation between different groups of students. So I think it's a call to action that we need to be more purposeful and more intentional in eradicating these gaps.
0: You mentioned at the beginning uh, your concern going in about whether uh, economic outcomes would be elevated and and sort of focused on o- over and above other things and I, I definitely agree that that the report calls out at least rhetorically and 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 uh the, the importance of non-economic outcomes for individuals as well as uh the societal contributions that uh, post-secondary education collectively makes um but i but we do to the extent that there's sort of a Measurable definition of of value. It does largely focus on uh, on sort of economic outcomes, up to and including um, wealth, which I thought was an interesting sort of addition. Do you think this report counts non-economic outcomes enough, or at least as much as is possible at this moment in time? That's a
3: great question. I think that the there was a conscious decision made along the way uh, during the work of the commission. Uh, to focus on the on the quantitative um, or more easily quantifiable measures of value and hence the uh, threshold levels that were defined to try to identify whether or not an institution or a particular program was contributing to to value um, with a with a nod and an understanding that there are non uh, quantifiable at least at this time or through the work of this framework um, things that that contribute to overall value and well-being. You know, growing up, um, my mom always used to say that education is the one thing no one can ever take away from you. And being a president in the Bronx, I heard that over and over again from the students we served as something that they heard from their parents, right? And so, you know, there is this intrinsic acceptance or perception, particularly at those, uh, among those that have been underserved, that there is value in higher ed. So the commission work to acknowledge that and then say, but at the end of the day, it's not only about providing value to the individuals, but also equipping them so that they they can then in turn accelerate at the societal level, the equitable um, opportunities that we're calling for. And so I think even though the focus of the report uh, or the framework that is presented in the report is economic in nature, it uh, sort of suggests that unless we provide this equitable outcomes for all of our students, we will not see the type of acceleration um, in terms of the societal value that we are looking for, particularly after seeing what this pandemic has done
0: um, mm-hmm. to yeah. our country. In one of your uh, past professional lives, you played the role of a scrutinizer of higher education through a sort of con- student and consumer advocacy lens and i'm i'm curious how this report looks through that lens to the extent you can uh still put that put put look at it through that through those glasses and, and i guess i'm i was a little surprised that there wasn't more focus on uh Sort of a federal accountability role in here. There there were a couple of mentions to assessing institutional performance, but there was certainly no call to to sort of really increase the uh, the scrutiny and and or do anything close to sort of punitive to programs or institutions that didn't score well. And again, that just kind of surprised me that we didn't see really much of anything along those lines. Uh, Imagine a lot of your presidential colleagues wouldn't want to see that necessarily. So that may be a good thing. But I'm just curious if you were if if I'm off base in, in seeing it that way, or if if what you thought of that.
3: Well I think that what's important to to keep in mind is that the way the commission defined its work, uh, first and foremost, it was to try to get at the question of what is college worth and what it's worth for individuals and what's in, it's it's worth for, for communities. In establishing the framework, I think they have presented a good step towards determining what those accountability measures should be, how to think about the accountability measures, how to think about how investments, new investments, increased investments from the state and the federal level can then uh, be measured in terms of their return from an equitable perspective. I mean, at at the bottom uh, most uh, level, um, in terms of the framework, we're looking at whether or not students recoup from an economic perspective within 10 years what they actually spent on getting their degree. Um, and then it goes all the way up to economic mobility and, and wealth parity as, as aspirational metrics that can be used for accountability. So I think it's not so much that the commission may not have talked about accountability as that it is setting up a conversation about accountability um, based on this framework. Okay.
0: The, the asks or the the recommendations to institutions how do they how do they strike you do they strike you as um things that that most college leaders uh will embrace uh will they embrace them uh theoretically but think oh well I'd love to do that, but I don't have the money to do that how, how do how do you as somebody who's about to step into a new institution um sort of look at the call to action that you feel is being given to you in this by this report?
3: So I think that most of the uh, recommendations that are made to institutional leaders as to how to advance um, an equity agenda um, that will produce the best results for students, their families, and the communities is something that, that most presidents will agree with. I mean, we're talking about uh, creating better pathways being more responsive to the needs of students when evaluating transfer credit, uh, providing stronger advising systems, better targeting financial aid packages. These are things that that we do, right? That we could do them better? Absolutely. And uh, this report provides a call to action, a sense of urgency that I hope will have an effect on most uh, institutions and provide a vocabulary, if you will, uh, a framework, in fact, to have deeper conversations on campus, deeper conversations with our policymakers and our prospective uh, students and their families um, about what we can all do to keep each other accountable in, in moving the work forward.
1: This episode is sponsored by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which works to ensure that every American can learn, grow, and get ahead, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, or family income. Learn more at usprogram.gatesfoundation.org.
0: Our last conversation today is with an outside observer, Tamara Heiler, director of education at Third Way, a think tank that describes itself as advocating for modern center left ideas. Third Way has done a good bit of work around defining value in and understanding public opinion about higher education. A couple episodes ago, in fact, I interviewed Tamara's colleague, Michael Itzkowitz about the group's proposal to hold colleges accountable based on how quickly their students recoup what they spent out of pocket for their degree or certificate. Tamara, welcome to The Key, and thanks for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: So Third Way's done a lot of work on its own on the value and return on investment in post-secondary education both in terms of public opinion polling and efforts to define and quantify those outcomes. What do you make of where the Post-Secondary Value Commission landed, both in in defining value and in suggesting ways for various constituents to try and ensure it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's very exciting for us to see Um, this report come out. I think that, you know, there are defining reports that can sort of change the movement of a policy area. And I think that this post-secondary value commission report is poised to do that. Um, You know, for us, it's been, you know, we've been in the higher education space now for about five years, which I understand makes us You know, still, we're not veterans here, but even in that short amount of time, we've seen a really natural evolution in the conversations that have been happening with, you know, so much effort and focus for many decades being on access and then sort of moving over the last few years into completion. But there's still been a lot of unanswered questions around completion to what. And I think that this report in particular does a really nice job of laying out in the most comprehensive way that that I've ever seen that question of value and what does that mean? Because it's really, really hard to define. And I think that's why as a field we've been sort of stuck for a long time, because Obviously, value can mean different things to different people um, and to different sectors. and but at the end of the day, a lot of the public opinion research that we've done shows that the, the number one reason that students are going to college or earning trying to earn some sort of post-secondary credential is simply because they want to get a good job and they want to make sure that they have earnings that allow them to live, a safe and secure life, a stable life. They're not looking for much more else out there. And I think that the the definition that this report lands on does a nice job of sort of capturing the basic economic returns and the question around value there but also does a really nice job of layering on some of those more intangible pieces of value that, that also matter to people, and doing so framed in an equity lens in a way that I've never seen before.
0: You described this report as being potentially really significant in along a continuum of other important assessments of, of higher education at different points. What is it about this report that makes it so potentially significant?
1: I think it's the first report of its kind that so holistically incorporates equity and acknowledges the systemic racial wealth gaps that exist and incorporates that into conversations about earnings and other metrics that we know do exist outside of just the higher education space. Um, that go beyond just an institution's control, but that do factor into whether or not an institution is doing its part in actually closing some of those equity gaps. So I think that it's it was actually very prescient. It is the moment in time in which we need to be having these conversations, and obviously we've seen from the Biden administration massive efforts to sort of double down on racial inequities across all of our sectors and within our government and across different systems. But I think that the Post-Secondary Value Commission seemed to be ahead of its time and that they had started to ask a lot of these hard questions and figure out how to at least start to incorporate them into the national conversation back in 2019 before this really became the, the national effort that it is today.
0: Trying to measure value in higher education is a relatively recent phenomenon. For a long time, we used the cohort default rate as a very crude measure of whether institutions provided an education that benefited students, then we moved on to the gainful employment metric, but just for a subset of programs and institutions. Do you see this as a more sophisticated and generally more vibrant way to define and measure value? And is it headed in the right direction generally?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think that to your point, this is a very natural evolution in the next step of how we're trying to think about and define return on investment. With cohort default rate, for example, that was looking at one metric. Gainful employment does a nice job of at least trying to incorporate more than one metric, right? Debt and earnings. And so I see this as another evolution in creating what, you know, a multi measure approach to looking at ROI in a very helpful way. And in particular, you know, getting back to the equity point, making it so that you can't actually have conversations about return on investment without including equity in that conversation. I think that's where this metric in particular, or this framework is going to help advance the conversation in a helpful way where we can't ever go backwards from where we are now.
0: I'm speaking with Tamara Heiler, director of education at the think tank Third Way. While this report gives an important rhetorical nod to the non-economic outcomes of a post-secondary education for individuals and to the contributions that colleges and universities make to society as a whole, to the extent it suggests a way to measure that value, it focuses pretty wholly on economic outcomes alone. Does this define the value of a post-secondary education too narrowly? Or given that we know that most students pursue a college credential primarily for economic reasons, does it make sense that financial outcomes are at the core of any definition of value?
1: Yeah, I absolutely think that those economic outputs still need to be at the core of any definition when we're talking about return on investment, especially in the context of a world where there are increasing uh, tuition prices, we know that affordability conversations are you know, gaining national prominence. And a lot of people are having these real conversations around their kitchen tables with their families when they're trying to figure out whether or not they should go to college in the first place. But that being said, I, I do think that those are factors that Alone don't measure value. And the fact that we're at least broadening that definition or the post-secondary value commission has been able to broaden that is really helpful. And I think that higher education can continue to learn from other sectors um, that I think have attempted to do that as well. So I come from the K-12 space where we've also seen efforts and attempts to try to measure some of these more intangibles, as you would say. And it's just really, it's really hard. And so I don't think that we can let Perfect be the enemy of the good, which often stops important policy conversations from advancing, but at the same time, being thoughtful and realizing that this is always going to be an iterative process. That's why we have reauthorizations of legislation and um, opportunities to sort of revisit and test and implement new ideas, but we're only going to get there if we actually put those ideas out there and, and attempt to define them, even when it's really hard to do so.
0: One thing I was struck by in the report is there's a there's a lot of ideas about what different entities can do uh institutions state governments uh the federal government and much of the federal discussion is around more investment and uh, the timing uh it, it seems apt because right now uh, the federal government seems inclined to invest heavily. Uh, there's a, a moment created by COVID and the recession that seems to be opening uh, the collective piggy bank in ways that allows uh, uh, an administration that's that's inclined to try and solve problems uh, uh, aggressively, uh, is able to uh, propose a lot and, and seems inclined to get a lot of it. I was a little surprised there wasn't a little more uh, about possible accountability, the accountability side of what the federal government can do. And, uh, you know, the other things we were talking about before, from the default rate to gainful employment, were attempts to, if not punish, at least really hold accountable uh, institutions. And, And there's a couple of mentions in passing in the report of assessing institutional performance, but it it seems kind of soft peddled to me and I'm just curious how uh, Third Way, I think, has cares about accountability and has certainly talked about it in other settings. I'm just curious how, how that struck you.
1: Yeah, I I do think that right now is actually, to your point, the fact that we have massive investments pouring into higher education, the fact that COVID-19 really put return on investment back on the map in terms of the conversation that we're having out loud is, is actually the perfect time for us to also then be thinking about okay what are some of the ways that we can continue to protect students and taxpayers in this conversation and so you know i think it's great that in this report there the the premise here is really to make sure that we're putting all of this data out there in a really comprehensive way. It's an important first step. And I think that we have not done a very good job as a sector at really finding ways to recognize and reward institutions. And in fact, the cohort default rate and gainful employment rule are just, they've been sticks and there's been fewer carrots to pair along with that. And I think we need both though. So, you know, in my, in my mind, my hope is that we can actually use the work of this commission to better inform the conversations that we need to be having about accountability and sort of how we can set some of these federal bottom lines where we can determine, okay, you know what, this particular institution or this particular program really is not worthy of student or taxpayer investment. But I think it has to be a balance between Not just laying down those sticks, but also finding ways that we're saying, okay, look, well, these schools are doing a good job, which shows that it is possible, especially when we are accounting for, you know, the types of students that different institutions are taking in or the different modalities of learning or the different types of skills and credentials that a program is offering.
0: Several college and university leaders and the heads of some higher education associations were on the Post-Secondary Value Commission, whose work led to this report. And while the commission's members didn't formally sign off on the report's findings, their involvement seems like it could make it harder for college officials to dismiss the report if they were so inclined. What do you anticipate in terms of response from college officials to a report that takes a hard look at their performance?
1: I definitely thought it was helpful to see that institutions were involved in the commission itself I know that that was an intentional decision, I'm sure from the Gates Foundation and IHEP and others who were putting this together um, to get the buy-in that really is going to be necessary to create some political will and momentum around advancing this conversation. You know, at the end of the day, the institutions are the ones on the ground doing this work, seeing a lot of, you know, this in action and having them be able to weigh in on what measures matter. Matter. and either, you know, endorsing or soft endorsing a lot of what's in this report, you know, is, is a way to sort of take the wind out of the sails of saying that, oh, institutions, you know, this is, this is something institutions can't do or won't do because they've been involved in the development of it, it themselves.
0: That's a wrap on this episode of The Key. Thanks to Margaret Spelling's Jose Luis Cruz, and Tamara Heiler for sharing their insights with us. The next two episodes will delve more deeply into issues raised by the Post-Secondary Value Commission's report and broader issues related to defining return on investment in higher education. Please come back for more and reach out to me at doug.letterman at insidehighered.com if you have perspectives to share. And please remember to subscribe to The Key on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, this is The Key, and I'm Doug Letterman. Stay well and stay safe.